Oh, the date is a hard question. That I'm beginning to feel like uh, Maggie Smith and Downton Abbey, where, you know, what's a weekend? Let's see. It's Thursday, March 26th. I'm Dan Gorenstein. Over the past few weeks, we've talked to people about the tough choices they're facing during the coronavirus pandemic. Given how rapidly things are changing, we are reconnecting with some of our guests to provide a window into how the outbreak is playing out over time. Today, from the Annenberg Studio at the University of Pennsylvania, we're checking back in with Bob Wachter, chair of the Department of Medicine at the University of California, San Francisco Hospital. Last week, Bob told us he and his colleagues were hunkering down. It could be a huge tsunami-like hit that rolls through. I called Bob Tuesday, March 24th, 8 a.m. Pacific. How are things going, Bob? It is... uh reasonably calm at uh, at UCSF, which is remarkable. We are seeing COVID. The number of patients is slowly increasing, but not cataclysmically. Uh, we've not yet had a death. We see reports from and speak to colleagues in New York where it, in fact, has increased cataclysmically. And uh, it leads to this very odd feeling of uh, not knowing whether uh, that's going to be us in four days, or we're at least partly dodging the bullet. We're reading reports that suggest um, California is lagging behind New York and other parts of the country when it comes to testing. Do you have the testing capacity that you need? We are now up to about 400 tests a day, and that's up from 80 about four days ago and a handful 10 days ago. So the limiting factor uh, up until yesterday was uh, swabs, which are really glorified Q-tips. They're special swabs that need to be used to get the samples from people's noses. And we were uh, desperately low on those. Yesterday, we got a shipment from the federal emergency supply. It is uh, allowing us to test healthcare workers who have uh, any symptoms, uh, testing people if they're at risk for um, for coronavirus. Uh, we're not uh, testing everybody. We're not testing asymptomatic people. Obviously, PPE, personal protective equipment, is critical for healthcare workers. Do you guys have enough? We do today because our current standard is not all of them. In fact, the, the, the vast minority of them need to use it every day. And that that's a controversial issue. Our current standard is if you are coming to work and taking care of patients who don't have COVID and seem to be at low risk for COVID, you are not supposed to use any personal protective equipment. You didn't have to a month ago and you don't have to now. And... Uh, that comports with all of the guidelines from the CDC and the WHO. So the tension comes in part from anecdotal experience from countries uh, like Singapore and from Hong Kong, where one of the things that they did was basically mandate that every worker wears a mask all day long. And they had very low infection rates in, uh, seemed to be doing well in COVID and did well in SARS. And based on that, uh, partner system, which is Mass General and the Brigham in, in Boston, has switched uh, to a system where everybody's going to wear a mask every day. 
if we were to do that, we would run out of PPE in maybe three or four days. And so uh, there's a lot of discussion about is that the right thing to do if we had unlimited supplies of PPE, would we do that? And at this moment, we are choosing not to. Uh, we can't say for sure it's wrong, and we can't say for sure that every encounter with a patient who screens negative on the questions is zero risk. It's not like we're rationing exactly, but I'd be lying if I said there weren't people walking around feeling somewhat concerned that they were being underprotected. When it comes to the standards that you're using for PPE, you're following CDC and WHO, World Health Organization guidelines, and that's got to offer some comfort. But then you talk about some of the Harvard teaching hospitals in Boston, which have switched standards. Does that leave you feeling that this may be a mistake? That you really should be being more aggressive about the use of PPE to protect staff? That question has two answers, and one is an answer that occurs in a fantasy world that says we have an unlimited stock, where you would then say, would a more liberal PPE policy, where the threshold is lower to use it, increase safety marginally and make people feel a little bit less anxious? And the answer is yes. Uh, the, the, the real world question is in the current state where we know how much we have PPE supply sitting in the storeroom, uh, what is the most rational way to keep everybody safe? And I think we're making good decisions because the alternative, of course, is we say, you know, all right, we're just going to liberalize the use of PPE. Everybody can put on a mask all the time and people will feel safer for three days until four days from now where we're out of PPE, period. And therefore, you now have to go in and take care of a patient who we think is at high risk and you don't have what you need to keep yourself protected. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. What steps, Bob, are you taking to try and secure more PPE, the gowns, the masks, the protective eyewear? We're waiting for shipments from anywhere, uh, from the federal stockpile, from our suppliers. I get emails all the time from faculty who say, I know somebody who knows somebody, uh, you know, who has a contact that, you know, it feels like we're, uh, we're running a mafia loading dock here, you know, and, and, you know, where, where can they, sh where can they drop off, you know, a whole bunch of masks. Our medical students this weekend who are off from work, uh, were standing on street corners in San Francisco's with signs saying, uh, do you have PPE? And they, uh, they got nearly 20,000 masks donated to them. Uh, from construction companies, from firefighters who had masks left over from fighting the wildfires. It's really extraordinary and and, uh, and gratifying what we're seeing in terms of the response from the community. But that will only get us so far. Bob, last week we also talked with you a lot about the UCSF decision to put off elective surgeries 
um, to make sure you had more room and space to handle any uh, surge, uh, tsunami you talked about. How's that decision worked out so far? That has gone well in terms of our ability to execute the plan and the ability to free up space in our hospitals and our clinic to care for patients with COVID or with symptoms that might be COVID. Bob says the elective surgery waiting list is now around 1,000 patients. And with no COVID surge yet, some at the hospital are wondering if they should start doing those procedures. When we say elective surgery, uh, it is not having a nose job. It is not plastic surgery. It is you were diagnosed with cancer and uh, we need to remove the cancer. It doesn't have to be done today, tomorrow, uh, or even next week. But, uh, you know, think about putting yourself in that position of that patient. You're waiting with cancer inside of you for the surgery to take it out. And we have surgeons now that are kind of twiddling their thumbs, waiting to, to take care of those patients. We could go ahead and do that and find out that that was a mistake because all of a sudden the, the tsunami hits. Uh, you know, we're really trading off the health of our patients that are that need our services for other things against the uh, our ability to care for COVID patients. What clues are you watching for that you guys might be on the verge of a New York-like surge? If we start seeing an uptick in patients coming in, in calls into our, our hotlines uh, from patients, if we start seeing an uptick in our own employees, who are calling in sick uh, for work, all those sort of things may be an early signal. Amid the difficult decisions hospital administrators are facing, Bob also sees signs of hope. We had 11 patients in the hospital with COVID yesterday, and we have 10 today, and we're all kind of scratching our heads and saying it's possible that we will dodge this uh, because of some of the things that were done in the Bay Area and done in California early, and probably also just luck. And if that's true, uh, uh, we will be thrilled, although it doesn't change the fact that it is still really, really terrible in some other places. Bob, thanks a lot for taking time to talk to us. It's a pleasure, Dan. Thanks. Join us tomorrow for the next in our series, Coronavirus Conversations, the story of one woman who's lost her job but must have health insurance. If you've missed earlier conversations, you'll find them in the feed or at tradeoffs.org. I'm Dan Gorenstein. This is Tradeoffs. We here at Tradeoffs want to learn more about what you need from us in these unprecedented times, so please take a few minutes to fill out the audience survey we've assembled. Find a link in the show notes or go to tradeoffs.org slash survey. If you found today's episode or any of our coronavirus conversations helpful, interesting, leave us a rating on Apple Podcast and tell us about it or on whichever app you use. You can keep in touch with us between episodes by following us on Twitter at TradeoffsPod. Tradeoffs team is producers Ryan Levy and Vicki Stern, sound designer Andrew Perella, and editor Leslie Walker. Tradeoffs theme song was composed by Ty Sitterman with additional music this week from Miscellaneous. Tradeoffs is supported in part by the California Healthcare Foundation, Arnold Ventures, and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. 
Additional support from the Leonard Davis Institute of Health Economics and the Center for Public Health Initiatives at the University of Pennsylvania. The views expressed in this episode are those of the individuals and not those of trade-off staff, advisors, or funders. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.